Almost wanted to pull the trigger at the slider. It was in the zone the whole time, but it nips at his knees. It's a no one count. Oh, big swing and a miss on the circle changeup. Inside, he got him to commit. Oh, and two. Oh, he busted him inside, too. Trace Thompson just couldn't get it together in that at bat. So after that leadoff single, that's how you settle the crowd down a little bit. Three pitches, and he's gone. It's up to the eight and nine hitters now. The Dodgers want to push her across a tying run. Miguel Vargas, he's 0 for 2 with two strikeouts. That doesn't bode well. Another one right up the middle, and it's right past the second baseman. He's not going to be able to make it all the way over to third. We're going to go station to station, but hey, that's another hit. Two men on now, brewing up something on the Dodgers. It's Miguel time. Oh, he took him out of the zone. That's looking real fat and juicy, and the guys can't seem to lay off it. Rojas, one for two so far tonight. It's an 0-1 count. He hung it, and he rung it. That one's going to be down the corner. It could be out of here. Hey, yo. Sup, baby snakes? Welcome to the Pie Guys. I don't know if you noticed, but this is our 95th episode. And as much as we've tried to make each and every one unique and special in its own way, and as varied as we've liked to keep the topics over all this time, you know, thus a slice for everyone, ultimately there ends up becoming a connective theme and a thread, dare I say an ingredient, amongst all 94 episodes. Case in point, as different as this particular episode may be, I think what you'll find throughout is that really, it's no different. I mean, that's what the Pie Guys is. It's the place to come to, to talk about the stuff you just can't wait to talk about with your homies, you know, with the rotation, with the quartet, with you. Maybe sometimes that thing is about Batman, maybe all the time. Or, you know, Star Wars, Farscape, etc., to name a few. But ultimately, no matter what we're talking about, what you can't deny is that we're passionate the Pie Guys is a passionate place. It's a place where we encourage such rejoicing and sharing. Today's a special day. It's a special season. It's time to rejoice. It's time to celebrate. It's time to be passionate. What's your favorite time of the year? What's your favorite season? A lot of times people are like, dude, the summer's the best. Are you kidding me? Summertime. Nah, man, I actually like the winter, bro. I really get on all my shredding in the spring. But this one's my favorite season. I mean, baseball season. And I've got a few things I want to share about baseball that I really love and if even I can get just one of you listening to be like damn I, I, I'm kind of interested now or I'm intrigued or I'm going to try that or I'm going to look into that then job well done mission accomplished because baseball should be rejoiced it needs to be celebrated more I mean, let's be real there's a reason it's our national pastime some people out there will have you believe that baseball is what brought the country back together after the civil war ever heard of it yeah the civil war that's a game that's been around since then so look we're going to get into it we're going to talk about a lot of different things baseball try out a few new things baseball but to help maybe set the stage a little bit more and the tone and the mood i want to tap into something i love with my whole heart my whole being and it really doesn't feel like baseball season until this has happened it's as if the season is not allowed to begin until this rite of passage has taken place, this tradition. I want to share with you Major League. That's right, Major League. As in Major League Baseball, as in Major League the movie. Damn, I just had a real flash of an idea about doing a Major League-themed podcast. Hmm, just throwing that out there. I mean, I really could just dedicate an entire podcast to talking about this movie. I love it so much. And of course, you kids probably don't know about this movie. It came out in 1989. So yeah, one of the first things you'll notice is that they still call them the Cleveland Indians. And I'm not getting into that, but they're the Indians, okay? We're going to call them the Indians. 
for at least as long as we're talking about Major League. If you've never seen this movie, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but we're already improving it right now. So imagine how you're going to feel by the end of this episode. This is pure pie guy material, okay? Perfect movie to get high to, to get a pizza and eat it to, to have some pie, warming it up or chilling, whatever, afterwards to eat to. And so why not let's watch it together? Go do all those things. Get it, I mean, get ready, right? Like pause this and then just get ready. I have the DVD. I've had the DVD for years now. And when it's baseball time, when it's baseball season, when it's now, I watch this movie. So believe me, I would love to sit down and record an entire accompaniment that goes along with this movie and we just hit play and we watch it and we do a commentary or whatever. But for the purposes of what we're doing here for the pod, for now, I want to highlight a few moments. Let's say three. Three's a good baseball number. We're going to highlight three moments in Major League that are going to make you love this movie as much as I do. I'm not saying there's only three moments. There's far more than that. But let's be real. Three's all you need. So again, I don't know how you're watching it. Maybe you're streaming it. Maybe you also have a DVD, Blu-ray, whatever the fuck. Maybe you even have a VHS and you're old and awesome. All right, so this is the part where you got to queue it up wherever you're watching it. It's the part of the movie where the security guards walk into the room. Everyone's asleep in their bunk beds, which is kind of adorable that they're all just sleeping like that. I wonder how true that really was to clubhouses at spring training back in the day. But they, they pull Wesley Snipes out of there, right? They go, this guy's not invited. Let's get him out of there. And they literally get him out of there. And then the next day, he gets woken up while practice is happening. I mean, let's talk about how fucking good Wesley Snipes gets sleep, dude. He gets his full eight in, the REM cycle and everything. I don't even know if melatonin was commonplace back then. But he can sleep through a lot because he wakes up in his pajamas and then dusts a couple of white guys uh, who probably don't make the team. But anyway, it's right after that scene, okay? It's right after that moment in the movie. He just said, get him a uniform. And the next scene we see, so I paused it. There he is, old Jake Taylor in the crouch behind the dish. He just caught the ball and play. This right here is one of my absolute favorite moments. This next series of scenes here at spring training. One of my absolute favorite moments of this movie. Like I've said before, I love this entire movie. I love everything about it. I'm passionate about this fucking movie. I know the jokes are coming and it doesn't matter. Jake Taylor over here trying to get the throw off. He has a little conversation with the coach about how he's feeling. All right. And it's pretty clear He's probably not telling him the truth, and then he tries to kind of show off with the throw to second, and it doesn't go so well. And here we have Willie Mays Hayes, Wesley Snipes, after being removed and changing his clothes into a uniform, is taking some BP. And he pops the first one up, pops the second one up, and he's just really getting underneath these pitches. We have a classic line coming up right here. You may run like Mays, but you hit like shit. That's a classic. Put it on a shirt. It's on a thousand shirts. It's a meme. It's a poster. It's a classic. That's another thing about this movie is you realize it's super quotable. And so what you end up starting to see throughout this series of spring training vignettes is the central characters in the movie, these players on the Indians, they all have their own sort of personal battles that they're waging against the backdrop of this season. But remember, the movie starts off with the hot milf antagonist storming into the board meeting. She tried to assemble a really bad team. These core guys on the team have their issues. Can they overcome it all? The odds, the stakes. I just love it because it sets up everything really well. It introduces us to all the characters, kind of gives us a taste of their quirks, their characterisms. And, and another thing I really love, though, is this spring training feel. 
it's clear they're 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 on a on a smaller field that you know there's not nearly as many seats as you would see in a professional baseball game uh and and you know one of the things i really love that's consistent throughout this movie and that i give credit to in this moment in particular is the way everybody looks i mean we know they're actors uh, though some of these people have some legit baseball experience in their background. There's real baseball people attached to this movie, but by and large, you have actors, therefore not real baseball players, in this film. And so their performances are great, but then their performances are also believable. The way they carry themselves, the way they look, it feels authentic. It doesn't feel like they're pretending to be doing baseball. You know what I mean? And of course, after we've kind of seen everybody's thing and their own sort of personal battle that they have to wage now uh oh yeah we gotta go to the locker room as we do after practice and you realize uh oh there's this whole red tag thing and that means you've been cut so they're already planting the seeds of that and and the, the expectation that well somebody obviously has to get cut but can our guys overcome it and then of course the old veteran he's over there taking his shirt off and what's that shit on your chest I mean, he's got more ingredients on his chest and his body and his torso than I do in my cupboards. It's just a great scene. It feels like baseball. It's quirky. It's fun. But it also works from a story mechanic where it sets up the characters and we kind of see them all interact. And it's it, it, it's just really the first great jumping off point, in my opinion. Ah, uh, yes, the rum. Where's all the rum? Joe Boo's got it, Jack. Let's be real. I mean, Joe Boo's over there smoking a joint. We love Joe Boo, right? Joe Boo could sit in on our rotation any day. Let's go. Look, I'm telling you, it's classic moments, and the movie is really just getting started. And we're just getting started also, so don't go anywhere. We got more baseball fun coming your way. Okay, so look, if we're going to talk about baseball, we got to talk about the fact that whenever I talk to somebody about baseball, it seems like someone always says, yeah, but it's boring. So if you fancy yourself as some sort of sports guy, but your sports guy take is that baseball is boring, you don't know what you're talking about. How does it go? Tell me you don't know anything about baseball without telling me you don't know anything about baseball. And then that's where you go, it's boring. In order to unpack that, I think we got to look at the fact that that statement, baseball is boring, is born out of the idea that because there isn't this kinetic, continuous energy about the game that it's not really doing anything or something is therefore not happening. Whereas, you know, football is fast-paced and there's a lot of contact, therefore action, therefore something's happening. But sometimes even though there's a fast pace to it and there's action and there's contact and there's literally guys hitting each other, sometimes nothing happens as a result of that too. Or for instance, take a boxing match or a UFC match. How many times in an actual fight do we see nothing happen? Sometimes they're just kind of uh, walking around each other and kind of throwing jabs that aren't really intended to hit, but they're gauging each other's distance and they're throwing a few kicks here and there, but nothing's really happening. Or they're clenching and then they're kind of always jockeying for position, but then ultimately nothing's really happening. Or one guy's on top of the other guy on the ground or pressed up against the fence and then nothing's really happening. Doesn't mean that nothing's happening. So this idea that there always has to be something happening, whatever that something is, otherwise it's boring, doesn't really hold up the more you look at it, you know? Baseball's not boring. You just don't understand baseball. And that's okay. I barely speak one language. Doesn't mean I'm not entitled to being able to still talk. Doesn't mean I'm not allowed to say things, even though obviously there are things you're not allowed to say. 
saying baseball is boring around me is one of those things you're just not supposed to say. It gets me a little heated. It gets me a little riled up. It gets me passionate about the conversation. See where I'm going with this? But I also don't blame the outsider looking in. If you're not a baseball fan yet, and you're thinking, it's boring, I get it. Take a trip with me, why don't you, to the confessional, where I'll admit the best seats I've ever had at a baseball game were actually at a Giants game. Our seats were three rows behind the on-deck circle. And obviously, those seats are amazing. We're so close to the game. Therefore, just the proximity to the field is amazing. But what that ended up doing is making me realize and appreciate all the little things that go into a baseball game. Truly, being that close made me appreciate all the little things, whether it was in-game strategy or just the casual awareness and the interaction and proximity to the players who have a direct impact in the game. My point is, you got to go to a game. First of all, you got to go to a game. If you've never been to a live baseball game, you owe it to yourself to go to one. What a lot of people perceive as being boring about the game actually aids the fan experience while you're there live amidst the crowd. Just the fact that baseball is so long and takes up so much of the calendar year, you know, starts in spring, goes all through the summer, and it doesn't culminate until it it becomes fall. You have the best weather and a range of weather with which to enjoy baseball games. It's hard to beat sitting out under the sun, being able to watch a sunset with a beer, a dog, a babe, a bro, etc., and a game. Once you're actually there in that environment, regardless of your seats and how close you are to the action, obviously the closer you are, the quote-unquote better it is, but I've had some great live baseball experiences sitting practically as far away from the action as you can. And once you're there, then come back to me and talk about how boring baseball is. I guarantee you, you'll have a good time. And furthermore, if you are of the uneducatedly bored take on baseball, look up any highlights of the 2023 World Baseball Classic. What is the World Baseball Classic? Well, it's baseball's attempt at the World Cup, famously of soccer, football, whatever. But if you think baseball is played only in the United States, checking out the World Baseball Classic of 2023 is going to be an eye-opening experience for you. I mean, from places like the Czech Republic to Italy to Australia, these are teams that you wouldn't expect to see in a tournament throughout the world. And obviously, a history of the World Baseball Classic reveals that of the four tournaments they've held, three of them have been won by the team from Japan. So what you start to realize is that baseball is played on a global stage, maybe not perceived to be at the same level that football, soccer is as well, but they're starting to build that history. And I think this year you saw maybe the greatest culmination of it to date. Shout out to the World Baseball Classic. It was extremely well done, and I think people are already looking forward to next time they get together to do this. I think 2026 is the, the year that has been talked about and pegged. We're in a pretty pretty amazing time for the sport and for what baseball is and for how boring it is. Nay, you go watch the World Baseball Classic and come back and talk to me about it being boring. You go to a live baseball game, especially with me, and there is no way you're leaving after that game with the same sentiment. And of course, no conversation about baseball is complete over here at the Pie Guys until we talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles. You know, I'll start off with this. This goes out to you fans, you Dodger fans. There is a whole generation of you Dodger fans that are some of the most spoiled fans I know, specifically the young generation that grew up within the last 10 years. 
you don't know what losing is really like. Talking about how uh, all this team does is going to break my soul and let me down. And I'm just a, I'm a depressed Dodger fan and all this stuff. And it seems like some of these people have taken the way things ended last season pretty hardly. And to that degree, let it be said by your uncle, congratulations to the San Diego Padres. You finally beat the Dodgers. You finally beat us. So congrats to the Padres. You won a couple of playoff series. But that's kind of to my point here. And I know that sometimes it feels like every team makes the postseason or that in some sports it's always just the same teams. But every year it actually is the Dodgers in the postseason. It's crazy. The one time they actually didn't win the division in all these 10 plus years was a year that their actual rival won 107 games. But there really needs to be a realization of the fact that what the Dodgers have done and are continuing to do, what are going to continue to do this season, is unprecedented. And it doesn't happen. And yes, sure, yes, I get it. Ultimately, people want to make the conversation about championships. But speaking of that real quick, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But it has always felt like the weirdest diss of all time to try to levy towards a fan base or a team, or whatever, I guess you're trying to insult when somebody says, yeah, well, you only got the one, or you only did the, this thing the one time. There's this weird thing that fans do, and I've seen it done in just about every realm of sport fandom, is that fans want to try to diss on a other team's fan base, or another team. They want to try to dunk on them by be, being like, you only got the one championship. That's just as lame and as uneducated as the baseball is boring take. You're not dissing anybody by bringing up the fact that a team and or some players have a championship. People take that diss so far that they want to try to distort what happened in 2020 as if it has no relevance, as if it didn't actually happen, as if what we saw was some broadcast from an alternate universe where baseball things don't actually matter. Shut the fuck up. The Dodgers are going to be all right. Padres are going to Padres, and the Giants are going to play the Dodgers tough no matter what. But this Dodgers team could roll out of bed and win 95 games. I mean, I really hope you young, new, spoiled Dodger fans can appreciate that 100 games, just as a benchmark, that doesn't happen very often, winning 100 games. But there has been a string of 100-plus winning season Dodger teams in the last handful of years alone. So pump the brakes with all these hot takes about how your heart is going to get broken again by the Dodgers. Listen, I started this whole recording off talking about passion and how that's ultimately the connective tissue between all of us Pie Guys and from episode to episode. And if you really want to call yourself a fan, if you want to talk about your heart being on the line and it getting broken and your disappointment and all this wah shit, then you have to acknowledge that you too are passionate about this game. You can't get to that level of fandom or care that much or claim to care that much unless you really love it. So you're either a poser, and you're a casual, as they say. You're a fair-weather fan who only roots for them when they win, and then wants to dump them when they lose. Or you love this game. You're passionate about this game. Not only are you getting all these winning seasons, but you've got to understand, you spoiled fan, that in the last 10 years, you've not just seen the team win a championship. Or just get to a championship. But you saw them get to the postseason year in and year out. You saw them produce rookie of the year talents back-to-back years. You saw them produce Cy Young candidates. You saw them throw no-hitters. You saw them win five walk-offs in a row. What the fuck? I mean, these are things you're maybe not even supposed to see. 
And Dodger fans are seeing these left and right, week in, week out, year in, year out. This team is entertaining you, and they're doing it better than anyone. They're winning more games than any other team in the sport. Odds are good on a random day that a baseball game is being played. The Dodgers are going to win, regardless of opponent. That's how good it is right now. You don't even remember the time when the conversation was about just making the playoffs. People used to diss on the Dodgers and go, man, they haven't even been to the postseason in X amount of years. I grew up as a fan during that time, and you guys are over here bitching and moaning about getting bounced out of the first round. Now, sure, context is everything, 111 wins, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I don't want to hear anybody talking about how just making the playoffs doesn't matter or doesn't mean anything. Try telling that to the Seattle Mariner fan base from a year ago. You trying to tell me just making the postseason wasn't a big deal for that entire city? Hell, since we're on the topic, shout out to the Sacramento Kings. That's right, I'm taking the opportunity to talk about two of my absolute favorite sports teams ever. The Sacramento Kings finally clinched a playoff berth most recently in the last 16 years, so I don't want to hear about how just making the playoffs doesn't mean anything. Shout out to those Sacramento Kings and congratulations to both the team, the franchise, and especially that fan base. Holy shit. That's amazing. And you deserve to be proud of just that. Sacramento proud of just that for a change. Let's also understand one thing too. Teams are not guaranteed to win. You know what I mean? There's no guarantee that any team is going to win more games than they lose. In fact, there's always a handful of teams, if not half of the teams in the league, that have losing records. So to you spoiled Dodger fans in this upcoming 2023 season and beyond, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to learn to appreciate the experience and the game more. Much like I would say to the, the new fan, the person who's, who doesn't think baseball has anything exciting about it. But that's my point, coming from your uncle. Maybe just go to the game to go to the game. Because some fan bases, they don't get to see their teams win. And they definitely don't get to see their teams make the postseason just getting in. And then you have the audacity to diss on a championship? Nah. Nah. Dodger fans got it good. We got it good. This team's going to win, and they're going to win a lot of games. They're going to win more games than they're going to lose. They're going to win games that they shouldn't win. They'll lose some games that they shouldn't lose. They'll blow leads, but they're also going to come back against the other team's closer. They're going to go on win streaks. They're going to do awesome fucking things. Learn to enjoy that. Realize that this chapter, this moment in the timeline of the Dodgers franchise is really unlike any other time. And I guarantee you, you spoiled Dodger fan, despite all the winning that this team produces, you too can learn to enjoy baseball. So, speaking of things to love, how about another Major League moment? And can I just remark on the remarkability of the DVD? Remember, I don't know how you're watching it. You're probably streaming it at this point. But if you had the DVD like I had the DVD, you could pause it, turn it off, leave it alone, come back to it later, and it's going to resume exactly where you left it. Because, duh. But I can't tell you how many times, no matter what streaming service I'm using, that if I've left off in the middle of something and I try to resume, it almost always gets it off. It's either off by a few moments or it goes all the way back to the beginning of the episode. Sorry, I just had a rant about that. I was amazed. I, I hit play and it left off or I left it off. But if you want to resume from the exact moment I'm about to resume, here's what you got to do. It's opening day. They just had a meeting in the locker room. They're going to give everybody shit burgers. Then we try to pray. Then it rains from the heavens. Right after that scene... It's a shot of a press box, and it's going to pan over. And oh, baby, this is one of my favorite moments in Major League. 
And I guess at this point, all you got to do is press play and enjoy. So cue it up and let's do this. Ah, it's the best. He's the best. I kind of hope you can hear his voice in the movie in the background of this actual recording just because it's so great to be heard. One of the absolute best parts of Major League is Bob Uecker. Look, Bob Uecker's the man. You know, when I talked about how this movie has actual baseball people attached to it, well, Bob Uecker is the biggest example of that. He's a real-life announcer. Great line coming up. Don't ever fucking do it again. That's the other thing about this. So what I wanted to say as far as the moment is concerned, any moment that Bob Uecker is in Major League, it's some of the very best stuff. Ultimately, the best content in this movie is the games you want to see, the games you want to see them play. And here's our first opportunity to get to see Harry Doyle in action. And this this scene, this first game, this opening day game scene as a whole has three of the most quotable lines in the entire movie, in my opinion. We heard that one with the nice catch, don't ever fucking do it again. And we've got a few more coming up. So this scene is great in, in a lot of respects, not just because of the, the all-timeness of Harry Doyle. But you get a chance to see all of the major key players in action. Kind of doing some stuff that makes them good, but also doing some stuff that clearly they got to work on. It's the first game. So things kind of go good, but then kind of don't go good. And then they kind of are not going good. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Oh, Jesus. Took that right off the face, Corbin. So uh, he can't field it. He's got this great speed. Well, that that was bad. That was an overthrow by the catcher. So they're, they're all fucking up on the shit we saw them messing up on in practice, right? That was the significance of that. Well, he couldn't hit the curveball in, in practice, and uh, he was overthrowing shit or underthrowing it. And Cor- Corbin doesn't want to field. And, well, it's happening. And look at him. Look at him. He's like five cups in on just drinking Jack Daniels right there. Ricky Vaughn, here we go. One of the most famous lines of all time. He tried the quarter and missed. He sure did try the quarter. Oh, God. Rewind it again if you need to. I'm going to continue to play this so that the, the we can at least go. But, uh... He just a bit outside, tried the quarter, missed ball four, ball eight. This is this moment, you know, all in this first game. And, of course, now we get a snapshot. We get to see the the hardcore fans. I mean, whose grandma or mom is that? I don't know. But these are the fans, right? The legit ones, the ones not like the spoiled Dodger fans I was talking about. These are the ones that are going to stick through it clearly in the tough times. Oh, yeah, and then there's this asshole. Fun fact, this asshole at the plate is one of the real-life baseball... Jeez, he crushed that one, didn't he? One of the real-life baseball guys. I think fun fact, though, but the uh, the actual ball player, I believe, was a pitcher. But in you know the world of Major League, he's the most terrifying hitter of all time. And there's been a number of actual baseball players that looked exactly like that guy that crushed balls, jogging around the bases just like that. So you're seeing some pretty great authenticity in this game. Clearly, though, I mean, look at it. These guys look legit, you know? And the way they're kind of filming it, this is one of the real gems of the movie. And it, it sneaks up on you. You think, oh, it's just a comedy and it's kind of it's kind of silly and blah, blah, blah. But like the baseball, the baseball of it, you buy. And uh, yeah, this is the great exchange too, of course, where he's like, let's see how he responds to giving up the, the Grand Slam. Well, he drills the next guy. And yeah, I think you can get him out of there now. And uh, this type of stuff happens. It's going to happen again. Uh, it's just part of the game. But now we're going to get to hear the chirping and the chattering that they do, right? I mean, do, do you think guys really step into the batter's box or like, how's your wife and my kids? I mean, maybe they did. They probably, they had to have. We know they've said worse shit than that. Go look at any 
Jackie Robinson documentary. A tough start indeed, but shout out to Bob Euchre specifically. I'm talking about moments. Well, this opening day game is a moment, but Bob Euchre is in essence representative of all the games they play, and he crushes it. He's amazing. He's an all-timer. He's a GOAT. Major League. Have you fallen in love with it yet? Look, that's two moments. I mentioned there would be three, so you know there's going to be another moment. But I have another baseball thing I want to share with you. Different from what we've been doing and talking about thus far. But in order to do that, we're going to have to get a little bit more personal. Yeah, that's right. You heard me. I want to take a trip to the confessional. So consider this next slice our most recent venture there. So here's some context for you. I'm going to attempt to do something that we've done similar things like before, but never quite like this. What am I meaning? So what I have before me is the PlayStation 5 and MLB The Show 23. Sorry, that's a shameless plug. And so I'm going to attempt to both play, be the active participant in the game, while also documenting the game, similar to what we've done before with, with our Last of Us stuff. Well, what's the personal confessional touch? Well, growing up, I always wanted to be an announcer. Yeah, growing up, I just always thought, man, that would be awesome to do. So you take those ingredients, you mix it all together, and you have this experiment. That I have no idea how it's going to unfold and what the finished product will look like. So I'm going to play this right now. But I will also say this. I haven't played the show in a long time. So it, it, it could get ugly, okay? But we're, gonna, we're just going to do it. What a beautiful day it is. Indeed, it's opening day. Across the nation, fans everywhere are gathering to root on their home teams in hopes of chasing October dreams. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Brent Fleetwood coming to you live. That's right. It's 2023 opening day, and it's opening day baseball from one of the great cathedrals of all time, Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers play host to a longtime divisional rival now. Expansion team they may have at one time been. Don't look now, but it's been many years, and the Diamondbacks stroll into town with all 17 of their new uniforms. The Dodgers classically wearing their home whites with the Royal Dodger blue and a splash of red where the number belongs at the front of the jersey. So you know these teams know each other well, and both teams want to start the season off right on the right foot. Speaking of right foots and left arms, here comes the legendary Clayton Kershaw, ladies and gentlemen. We pick up our game, ladies and gentlemen, in the top of the sixth inning. Leading it off is the leadoff hitter for the Diamondbacks. It's a 1-1 game. Corbin Carroll steps in. Clayton Kershaw on the mound has been dealing, to say the least. He's only 54 pitches in, so how much farther can he go? First pitch is looked at down into the dirt. That's a slider. Classic Kershaw pitch, but laid off was never really a threat. The 1-0 pitch just misses under the zone right there. It's 2-0. The slider is laid off again, and oh my goodness. Maybe it's because we're here now, but suddenly Kershaw can't seem to find the zone. It's 3-0. and Just get it in and get it over. He had to. 3-1 and now after the fastball that split the zone right there. Oh, he watches again. Carroll is very patient at the plate. Suddenly now the count is full. Full count, and he got a big-time full swing all the way back from 3-0, and he got his sixth strikeout of the evening, so started a little bit shaky, but maybe he had him in the palm of his hand. Now stepping up, Ketel Marte. That's right, he's the guy the Diamondbacks will tell you is the guy 
Always wanting to stay aggressive. What happens here? Oh, big time swing by Marte. It's 0-2. Yo, 2 pitch. Oh, did he go? He did go. He chased it in the dirt. It gets away from Will Smith long enough for him, though, to have to make a throw. Two down harmlessly in the top of the six now. Stepping in is Jake McCarthy. He's 0-2 with a strikeout at a previous at-bat. These guys have been looking at a lot of pitches, and when they've been swinging, it's been weird swings. So one and one now as he watches a close slider nip outside the zone. Back to back to back sliders, and this time he gets him to finally commit, put a ring on it or something. Max Muncy makes the play a little bit more awkwardly than it needed to be, but three up, three down. We go to the bottom of the sixth, and we're back. Will Smith leading off. As advertised, Zach Gallon's still on the mound with under 70 pitches, so he too finds himself cruising to this point in the game. Will Smith decides to look at a couple of pitches. 2-0 now, harmlessly out of the zone. Oh, he got him a swing, but he hit it off the end of the bat and foul. So no harm, no foul, though in foul, you're still in play, and that's an out. Able to bounce back after nearly walking the leadoff guy, and that's generally a no-no. Here comes Max Muncy. He's 0-2 tonight. Floats one up to flirt with him, but no, it misses at the top of the zone. Muncy known for always having a pretty keen eye. Looked like he might have wanted to unload on it. It's 1-0. Oh, that curveball hung into the zone too long, and it got him to commit. Fouls it off. One and two. Staying alive. Staying alive. He fouls another one off inside. He tried to jam him with the fastball. That one's hit pretty good, but it's going to float out there into right field. And when I say he gets it, I mean he got part of the ball. There's two down. J.D. Martinez steps in. He signed with the Dodgers in the offseason. One for two. Swinging a pretty big bat. L.A. hopes will be consistent. Here it is on the outside, though. Oh, they gave him the call. That one looked to miss the zone, but close enough that he got the call. It's 0-1. Left that one over the zone, too, but not much to show for it. Contact, but outs. That's the name of the game. We go to the top of the seventh. It's 1-1. A longtime Dodger and Kershaw nemesis Christian Walker steps it up to the plate now to lead off the Pivotal seventh inning. Looking at a slider down and in, he misses 1-0. Oh, he got him to commit. Not fully, but yeah, that's a swing and a miss. Either way you look at it. 1-1 one one off the changeup. Looking pretty good out of Kershaw's hands today. That pitch might carry him the distance if he keeps this up. He gets him to swing on a pitch. He definitely missed up out of the zone, but Trace Thompson will track this one down routinely. There's one away. The veteran, Evan Longoria, steps into the dish. We know he can change the game with one swing of his bat still, that's for sure. And oh, looking at this curveball, a lot of people do that. They turn into spectators when old Kershaw breaks out the big-time curver. Follows it up with one that's just under the zone. Good eye there, it's one and one. Jammed him on the inside and he had to foul it off. That was the best he could hope for. It's an even count now at two apiece. Oh, big-time swing. He tripled up on that pitch and that at bat. He got him to commit this time, and that was a dandy. Eighth strikeout for Clayton Kershaw. And then I mean, two down at the top of the seventh. Lord, it's Griel Jr. Steps up to the plate. First pitch, swing, and he fouls off a curveball. Really leaning on the off-speed stuff in these later innings. Keeping the guys off balance. Just inside and in. He's nipping on his heels around the corner. But these fastballs are hitting their marks, but not quite the zone. It's two and one. This time he gets him to commit, and he swings and hits it the other way for a clean single. Now that's Kyle Lewis that gets some hacks here in the seventh. He's 0 for 2 to this point in the game, but one swing, he finds the gap. Who knows? With that speed, going on two outs, oh, a ball goes down and away from Will. He's able to block it, keep it in front of him. Big swing and a miss on the changeup. That might have been the best pitch he's thrown all game. Certainly, that feels like the pitch you want to rely on this inning. It's a 1-1 count. 
Oh, and he flicked this off the end of the back. Can Mookie run it down? He can. It's going to get by him. This has a chance to score a run. The throw in's late. That's an opposite field double with two strikes and two outs. That's clutch. Kershaw, 84 pitches. Still has more left in the tank, you would think. But this might very well be the last inning. Going on contact, but there is no swing and no contact. Therefore, it's a 2-2 count as another fastball ballets its way inside. The changeup hit out to Vargas at second. He can't quite pick it up cleanly. And he can't recover in time. Oh, no. Now the defense behind Kershaw is going to let him down. This has disaster written all over it, folks. The 0-1. Oh, it looks like it got part of the zone, but he called it a ball. Wow. Getting pinched, maybe. 1-1. One and one. What else could go wrong? Kershaw must be thinking. <laughs> this one he gets a hold of out in the right field, but Mookie's going to be there this time. He runs it down, and wow. After all that, one run does come across, and one run could be all we need as we go to the bottom of the seventh. David Peralta leads off the bottom of the seventh. Swings at the first pitch up and out of the zone. That's an 0-1 count in a hole again. Gallon cruising. The former Diamondback can't help himself. He wants to get on base. Flicks with this one just foul. I said flicks with this one just foul. We're up the middle. David Peralta's going to get a clean base hit. That's how the Dodgers start off the bottom of the seventh. But before that, we're going to get a pitching change. Troy Lavella comes out here in his new swaggy jacket. Says, sorry, son, that's the end of the line. I don't have as much faith in you as they do in Kershaw. Coming out of the bullpen, Kosal, sir. Right-handed reliever out of the bullpen. Trying to keep it where it is. Trace Thompson, the seventh place hitter. He's up next. Almost wanted to pull the trigger at the slider. It was in the zone the whole time, but it nips at his knees. It's a no-one count. Oh, big swing and a miss on the circle changeup. Inside, he got him to commit. Oh, and two. Oh, he busted him inside, too. Trace Thompson just couldn't get it together in that at bat. So after that leadoff single, that's... How you settle the crowd down a little bit. Three pitches and he's gone. It's up to the eight and nine hitters now. The Dodgers want to push her across a tying run. Miguel Vargas, he's 0 for 2 with two strikeouts. That doesn't bode well. Another one right up the middle and it's right past the second baseman. He's not going to be able to make it all the way over to third. We're going to go station to station. But hey, that's another hit. Two men on now. Brewing up something are the Dodgers. It's Miguel time. Oh, he took him out of the zone. That's looking real fat and juicy, and the guys can't seem to lay off it. Rojas, one for two so far tonight. It's an 0-1 count. He hung it, and he rung it. That one's going to be down the corner. It could be out of here. It is. You heard the crack of the bat. Miguel Rojas said, I may not be the shortstop you wanted. I'm the one you got here on opening day. Oh, my. Take your time around the bases. The new freshy rides over there at Dodger Stadium are going wild. Tori Lovello can't believe it. He's looking at the wall. Suddenly, the game has been flipped upside down, ladies and gentlemen. A 378-foot bomb. That was 105.6 MPHs off the bat. Whoa, big time. Bam from Miguel Rojas. Let's look at it again one more time. He put it right down the middle with that slurve. He had some success with the sinker and the fastball this inning and getting some swing and misses. Not this time. Put a nice clean hit on it. That's right. Rojas making a splash in his return season to Chavez Ravine. This crowd is lit. It's 4-2. to two. It's a brand new ball game here in the bottom of the seventh with only one out. Mookie wants to get in on the party. He's going to foul this one off. So Cole Solcer giving up the lead just like that. It makes you wonder, did Zach Allen have more left in the tank or what? We'll never know, but that one was tanked. Wow. Oh, my, 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 my. Mookie went outside the zone. Big time. That ball wasn't anywhere near it. He just wants to hit, ladies and gentlemen. He's one for three tonight. Can you blame him? He gets Mookie to commit and chase outside the zone. How many times can I say commit? That's the second out. Freddie Freeman, he's 0 for three tonight, so you know he's due. Throws it up and in, and Freddie Freeman's got part of it. 
but not enough of it nearly. It's an out meekly into the outfield. Three down just like that, but whoa, Miguel Rojas. Big time pop in the nine hole. Four to two Dodgers. We go to the top of the eighth. Kershaw is back out there for the top of the eighth. 91 pitches deep. It's open today, folks. Why not? He's the GOAT. Now with a lead, rather than being down, he's going to go back to work against Corbin Carroll. Leads him off with a high slider, but he had to look at it the whole way. It's 0-1. Whoa, great slider, and he has to just fight it off, and he does stay alive. He still stayed alive. Loves fouling it off to the left side. I hope you brought your glove. Fastball up, and he hits it right to Vargas. He fields it cleanly this time. There's one down. Now you're just counting out. It's five more for a dub on opening day. It's Ketel Marte. Hung a slider and it get ripped into the outfield. That's going to split the gap right there. Trace Thompson's going to have to chase it down off the wall. He yields it back in over here to second base and casually Marte finds himself there. Diamondbacks are still alive. Five outs to go, but two more runs and it's all tied up. First pitch slider jumps. Oh, Muncie dives and couldn't get it off his glove. Everything happened so quickly. Muncie almost made a spectacular web gym off his glove. He, nobody can advance, but he couldn't recover in time to get the out. So suddenly, a couple of well-hit, hard-struck balls. And runners on first and second and only one down. Here comes Christian Walker. And I think that's going to be a walk to the mound. The call has been made. Bruce Stargratterall is going to come in and relieve Clayton Kershaw here in the eighth inning. What a yeoman effort, though. you got to love it. Seven and a third on opening day. Crowd shows the respect. Here comes what they call the bazooka. It's Grotterall. He's got his work cut out for him. One out. A ground ball could get him out of this. Fred flicks the first pitch right to Freddie Feeman and so softly hit they couldn't turn two. So everybody advances. Might as well have been a sacrifice bunt. One pitch, one out. But now the tying runs are both at scoring position. And here he comes, Evan Longoria. First pitch again, flicked it to Vargas meekly. And just like that, two pitches, two outs. Suddenly the tide has turned back towards the Dodgers. We're out of the inning. Bottom of the eighth up. Cole Saltzer still out there. They love swinging off this guy. Meekly back up the middle, though. Saltzer grabs it, throws him out, one down. Max Monty gets a chance to try to redeem himself tonight. He's 0 for 3. Nice fat pitch. He only fouls it back, though. It's 0 and 1. Oh, he hung this one, and he couldn't hold back. Salivating over that pitch. He rips it foul. It's 0 and 2. Oh, he pulled a string on him. Got him to commit all the way right there. 0 and 3. I don't know why the commit counter is higher than the strikeout counter, but Saltzer quickly has three strikeouts now. J.D. Martinez comes up, two gone. Oh, swing happy the Dodgers are right now. They're saying, hey, maybe let's just get out of here and get the dub going. Oh, and two. Puts it in play, but it's right at the third base. But he has to jog a little bit. Throws it across the diamond, and that's a one, two, three inning. We go to the top of the ninth. Game's on the line. Three outs to go. Can the Diamondbacks make the comeback? Will the Dodgers get the opening day win? We'll find out after this. Evan Phillips warming up in the bullpen. He's not. They figured the two pitches Gratterall threw the last inning wasn't enough. And I'm sure he said, come on, let me throw some more. It's the top of the ninth, and he's still out there. Oh, big hack and the slider. A lot of movement to what Gratterall throws out there. Quickly, it's 0-2. That one was fat. It was right down the middle, but it's still a strike. Fouls it off. Goes in on him, tries to jam his fist. The sinker gets fouled off. Still 1-2. Jammed him on the cutter. Thompson tracking it down in the outfield. He can't get there. That dropped in. Everybody seemed real casual about it. I was going to say all they need is a bloop and a blast. They got the bloop, and they're laughing about it over there at the first baseline. That's right. Those last three outs are always the toughest to get. Josh Rojas, he's going to pitch it here. Tying run at the plate. Looks at the first pitch inside 1-0. and Sinker just misses outside, and what started to look like an easy start to the inning, not so much. 
Gretarog jams him. He can only foul it off. Now the count is even, two and two. Oh, the fastball up right at the top of the zone, 99. He can only watch it. Whoa. One gone. That's how you bounce back. Carson Kelly has to keep the line moving. But it looks like Gretarog's night is done. They're going to go. To the closer, Evan Phillips. Here he comes. Now only charged with getting two outs. This guy was phenomenal last year for the Dodgers. He inherits the base runner at first. The first pitch to Kelly. Outside, the slider wasn't even close. 1-0. The follow-up pitch. Big hack right there. Not sure what he was looking for, but that sinker came in at 94, and he was well ahead of it. Another slider, this time a better pitch, and he can only foul it off. Now he's got two strikes. He hits it out of the outfield, but Trace Thompson has enough time to get there, and get there, he does. Classically, it's tougher to get the ball through the air at Dodger Stadium at night. Nick Ahmed, it's up to you. Runner on first, two outs. First pitch hangs a slider right there, but Freddie Freeman is in spot. Freddie Freeman's in spot. Put it on his shirt. Easily gets his way over to first, and just like that, the game is over. Dodgers close it out 4-2. to two. Clayton Gershaw gets opening the W with seven and a third. Seven strikeouts, no walks, and only the two earned runs. Kosaltzer gave up the big bomb to Rojas. That changed the whole game. Thanks for tuning in, Brent Fleetwood here. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Ta-da! Thank you for sticking through all that and listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, wanted to try something, wanted to mix it up. We're always trying to do some sort of weird experiment over here at the Pie Guys. When and where you'll hear the next installment of our own Dodger season, I can't even quite say, but there will be more. Speaking of more, can I interest you in another major league moment? All right, so here's the deal. Here's the pitch. Here's the third pitch. The reality is, like I said before, major league is full of moments. Really, scene to scene, it's a, it's a moment. You want to watch this whole entire movie, I'm telling you. Look, I'm, I'm going to be real with you. This next moment that I'm going to highlight from beginning to end, it doesn't get more classic or iconic from this movie. From the lines to the imagery to the, to the memories. Like, maybe you saw this movie in passing back in the day. And you will still remember this moment. Even if it, you know what I mean? It's like you, no matter how many times you caught it in passing and never sat down to watch it, it always seemed like this scene was popping up for a reason, okay? Look, by this point, things are turning. We're not just bumbling in the outfield anymore or bumbling on our phones. They don't have phones back then or bumble. Fuck that. But guess what? This team is actually winning. They're actually winning in spite of everything, in spite of themselves, the owner, etc. And it's been broken to the manager from the GM. Hey, look, I, I love it. We love seeing the guys win. We love seeing the clubhouse popping and you guys are happy and you're optimistic about the future. But guess what? There ain't no future. This bitch at the top, she ain't going to let it happen. It's right after that scene. I mean, look, this team has two or three all-stars out there. You know what I mean? It's the locker room scene. And you'll know it because everyone's sitting in director chairs and they're in their usuals. Just hit play and enjoy. Here we go. You guys weren't supposed to be good. Remember? Ties all back into the very first scene we saw. This is great, great screenwriting. And so now it's sinking in. These guys are like, what the fuck? And the greatest line in the movie is about to happen. Just one of the reasons this is the moment. And here it is. Look at him. Slowly standing up. Well, I guess there's only one thing left to do. Let's fucking go! You don't want to run through a brick wall right now when the whole fucking thing is right. And it's played so beautifully in this movie. The way it's shot, the looks at everybody, the way they, they kind of are like, what, what's going on? And, and the way he delivers it, man. He doesn't get as fired up as I am right now, but it's still the same thing, and now they're starting to get it. Like, like Coach said, gotta be something to bring it all together. Here it is, boys. 
She's been the fucking antagonist from day one. Scene one. Act one. Let's embrace it. Let's embrace her. Because what did I say? What did I, what did I say? She's a MILF, okay? For every win, we peel a section. There's X amount of games left. If we win most of those, we're not going to win them all. He knows, he even basically says that to them. We have this many games left. We know we're not going to win them all because that's just not what happens in baseball. But if we win most of them, we peel these sections, you guys get a surprise. And I'm telling you, this moment it continues right after the win the whole fucking thing. You get this great classic Major League montage of the boys putting in the work and they're working on all this shit that they were supposed to be working on at the beginning of spring, right? That they've needed to overcome since then. Our boys got glasses now. They're peeling more sections. We can see hip. Here he goes fucking stealing home easily. So everybody's game is elevating. The Indians just won their fifth in a row. Let's go. Our boy is jacked, dude. And that's the fucking dude from the Allstate car commercials. You understand me? Are you in good hands? Whatever one that is, that's the fucking dude. Okay, he's Serrano. He's from Cuba. Our boy's just blowing the smoke by them, exactly. And there she is, looking fine. As, uh, fine. Looking so fine. And well, you know it. Everybody knows it. They're pe literally peeling off clothes of her because she's so fine. And they just swept the angels. How about it? And now, this classic moment. So we go through this whole montage, and we get this other thing on the other end of when the whole fucking thing. Now they're starting to get attention, and this, this is so good. Even in our own hometown. The hats are classic with the green underbills. Of course, no sleeves, no hat. Shane over here. Fucking shout out to him. The guy you think would be the best actor. He's the worst. It's so good. Oh, fuck. And there's our boy. There's the royal right there. I mean, honestly, if we were casting it, let's be real. That's the titanium one. Goosh. He rips it the other way. All right. That's how you know you got it. That's how you know you barreled it up. This would have been so much fun, honestly. All this stuff is the best. The, being a background dude or whatever that would have been to be on, on the team in the dugout. I mean, none of those guys got lines. But they were definitely in the movie. And they had to do some cool shit like that. That would have been fucking awesome. John Elway is a construction worker and an Indians fan. There's a lot more fucking fans. Like these, these front runners are starting to circle around the, the diehards. Look at him. Still wearing the Viva Mexico shirt because let's go. You know, La Raza for life. But it doesn't taste like horchata. Look, the whole bar is getting into it. That, that looks like a good night. They do car probably karaoke a couple hours after the game or whatever, but boom, ripping them. You get this cool montage of fun gameplay stuff like from the other moments we were highlighting, and you see all the characters. And this is all really the same moment, in my opinion, from when the whole fucking humana humana thing to stripping off the leopard's print. Damn. Uh, and then these guys are playing great baseball. I mean, the best baseball they've played all season to the point that now what? They just scalped the socks and they tie the Yanks for the title. And then we get this other classic moment to sort of, uh, I don't know, end it. Oh, my God. Is this real? Is this legit? Is this CGI? No, bitch. It's 1989. Is she fine in any decade? Whoa, look at all the watermelon there, dude. I hope they put some in the freezer. I love that. There's a quick shot. You go back to the guys celebrating over, over you know, obvious. The, there's the bat boy. Like, the clubhouse boy is there. And they're like, get out of here. It's just a great baseball detail that you wouldn't think this silly comedy would put in there. But... They paid attention to everything, and Major League is the shit. And if you're not hyped, if you, you don't want to know how this movie ends now after that, I don't know what to tell you. You, you don't know what good entertainment is, but it, Major League is it. It's the movie. When people talk about what is the best baseball movie of all time, look, there's a lot of contenders, all right? But Major League, let's go. Come on, man. This is the one. This is the one. This is the one you want to put on. This is the one that maybe not just anybody at any age, but eventually anybody could sit down and watch and enjoy. 
I've always watched it with my folks and the family, and that I think has added to the love of it over the years. But it's that movie. You know, can you imagine if they were trying to do like this remake now with Will Ferrell as the fucking manager? It would get caught up in some like bit that Will Ferrell has to do in the office, you know, some physical comedy bit, and then they'd do a song and dance number. You know what I mean? It would get sidetracked. The focus wouldn't even be on baseball but there is still a focus on baseball and what's cool about where we left it on this moment is there's still a good chunk of the movie left so if you've never seen it but maybe have followed along in these moments i applaud you you're probably a quartet member but on some level the best is still yet to come can't say enough about major league shout out to it watch it put it into your life and then make it a tradition it just makes it more fun it's like ah baseball's here baby baseball is here it's back and i couldn't be harder God, what a beautiful game. I mean, if you're still on the fence about it, you just got to go back and replay this episode. Or better yet, take me out to a ball game. It's a game meant to be digested at a leisurely pace, yet it comes complete with its own set of fireworks. It's as American as jazz music and apple pie. There's just really nothing like it. But I guess all I have left to say is, well, thank you. Thank you for choosing to pass the time with me as I got all passionate about our national pastime. So, in the meantime... Let's play ball. Last time, on first time. It feels like the winter lasts for nine months in The Last of Us. Just snow everywhere. Ellie can barely see, let alone survive in the snow. Joel is actually surviving and back to life. But they gotta find each other. Well, I mean, it's a good thing Ellie found that spot she can catch her breath in. Yeah, you know, Todd's. And now, we're at Todd's. It's David. Are you ready, Shane? Are you fucking ready, dude? All right, Shane, go. What are you doing, Shane? 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 Why are you, you can't just run at everybody, dude? You can't just run at them all. Oh, my God. He's not ready. Fucking Todd's. It always happens at Todd's. Fucking Shane just almost wasted the goose. Now he has half-life, as if Todd's wasn't hard enough. Jesus fucking Christ, man. You have no guns. Why are you trying to fight people? Got to work on the stealth game. This stealth game is not good, folks. Just getting spotted, left and right, stepping on plates. Shane has half-life. I mean, he's at Todd's with half-life. You don't want to be at Todd's ever. I think David's going to kill you at least twice. And, and that's not even a diss. That's not a diss. This is the boss fight. And if you've never played it, you, you, you should die. You got to sneak up on this, dude. And you got to figure out a way to do it, obviously, without giving away yourself. David is literally just walking around. He's just casual. Are you going to do that around the corner? No way. Oh, the plates. Don't step on the fucking plates. Oh, my God. He said, fuck the plates. He got a shot in on him. All right. The building, Todd's is on fucking fire. He's coming for you now. He was doing a casual walk. Oh, he's shooting at you from afar. He knows where you are. He's coming for you, dude. <laughs> David is fucking running for Ellie's ass. Don't run on the plates. You might have lost him. I think you lost him. That's how you got to do it. He's not just walking anymore. He's casually walking, but he has 
shown that he's ready to throw down. You want to stab me? He said, okay, I'll fucking stab you. And then you start to go, oh, this isn't that fun. This dude gets to stalk me in this restaurant. From where we are, we look like we're in the buffet line over in the restaurant area where all the seats are from the kitchen area in the back where maybe the staff would be. Now we're more in the restaurant area. And that's where we got him last time. Maybe this is the spot. Maybe where the Black Angus sign is right by Todd's. Maybe that's where we got to do this. I don't know. A Silver Lake tradition since 19-something or other. Here he comes. He almost spotted Ellie again. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Now we're kind of learning. Is he giving, he's giving his back? He's giving his back. He's giving his back. And we got him. Ellie got him again. Ellie got him again. You better run, dude. You better not fucking just sit there. You got him again. Oh, all over the plates. He's going to know where you are. All right, here we go. She ran down the far away. She likes to go this way. This is where, uh, this is where all the employees come in. And then I stepped on the plates again. And we go to the back office. I check in with my boss. And I tell him I'm here for work. I'm ready to do my shit. He's right there. He's in the fucking kitchen, dude. Go, 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 go. Go, go, go. Shit, he almost shot him. Oh, fuck. Just keep going. You got to do something, though. You got you to gotta lose him again somehow. See, this is where the game gets real butthole clenching. This is why Todd's fucking sucks. Because he sneaks up on you. You can't just run on the plates and give yourself away. But maybe by giving yourself away, you give him away. Correct. Shane said, correct. My strategy is to bring him out. Okay, well, then I'll give myself away. Bro, dude, this is fucking dark, okay? I hate this fucking part of the game. I will admit. I'm sorry for yelling, but I just get so excited, and I hate this fucking part. He's sneaking up, but you don't know which way he's coming. He's, there he is, there he is, there he is. Oh, my God. There he is, like a fucking scare zone actor. There he is. He's coming, dude. He's fucking coming, dude. He's coming around the tables, dude. Is he behind you? He's behind you. He's behind you. He's. What are you doing? Yeah, get him. Get him. He's right there. Oh shit. He's gonna fucking kill you. He's gonna fucking kill you. God damn. Oh, dude. Fucking fuck, David, dude. I told you he. Well, what just happened? All right, we had to get it out of our system. I think that was the. I think we all knew it was coming. We all knew David was going to get him. We, it was just like a matter of time. And I, that, that's not a diss. Like I said, I was about to say, when I did this, I died more than twice. It was fucking frustrating. Okay, I think, I think, you've, I think it respawned with him getting stabbed twice. Yeah. It didn't restart the fight, but David is still sneaking around, so you can't just rest. Where is this fucking prick, dude? There, there he is. There he is. Okay, you spotted him. Okay, he's, okay, he's coming. No, he's, where's he going? He's going over there. He ran to the other side of the restaurant. He's trying to lure you into a trap. Well, he might just pop up all of a sudden. Watch out. Watch out. Okay, he went back towards the spot where he got Ellie last time. He did get her. And we started to panic because we knew he was behind us, but we didn't exactly know. And then it, and then it was the classic panic of once you, the panic sets in, you just you can't have no control. He's right there. If he pops his little head up at the same time Ellie does, they will see each other. Here he goes. He's moving to his left. Ellie's right. He's trying to get up on her. Oh, Ellie, Ellie, Ellie. Don't make noise. Don't run like that. He's going to know. Oh, shit. Get him. Oh, fuck. Damn, like a fucking snake, dude. I mean, that's what he is. He's a snake. And you got to get his back clean. You can't. If you're facing the front of him, you're not going to be able to swipe and fight him. You got to catch his back. That's two. I said, he would, I said he'd get you twice. So the third time in baseball means you're out. How about this prediction? He's not going to get Shane again. You don't think I can show faith in my boy? I just know how the game is. It's like he's going to get you. You got to, it's because you don't quite know. If you've never done it, how are you supposed to know what you're supposed to do? So you realize you can visually see him, but he's hard to also see too because he's, first of all, he's crouched, but he's also wearing like similar colors to his surrounding. There's so many things he could be hiding behind though. That's what's so annoying. But conversely, is he coming behind you, dude? Jesus Christ! The fucking restaurant's falling down around our ears. 
I'm getting tense. I'm not even playing this, but just watching this is like is is tense because oh, he's way over there. I thought you guys were much closer to each other. All right, we have a visual on David. His stupid fucking head is right there. He's looking back over his shoulder. You almost got to catch him when he's crouched like that, if possible. He's bleeding from the two wounds that we've inflicted on him. Just be careful, though. You step a little bit on those plates, and it will make noise. And he's trying to maybe lure... There he is right there. 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 Yes, bitch. Yes. Do you like it? The third time's the charm. I told you he wasn't going to get him again. Fuck David. Yeah, fuck you, David. Hey, we'll see you next time.